something moved in next door that isn't human. They did kill a girl over there. It's horrifying. It's unspeakably human. And now it knows that you know. Fright Night. If you love being scared, it'll be the night of your life. Rated R. Sneak preview Friday night. Check newspapers for theaters. My name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are the movies that made us gay. Yay! Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about what we watched? Oh, man. It is October 1st. We are ready for Halloween. And we watched Fright Night, directed by Tom Holland, with the guys from Homos on Haunted Hill, Chris Moore and Kevin Michael Jones. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, my. Wow. What an o- ovation this is. <laughs> we have a reception for you. Uh, yes, indeed. As, as per usual. This is awesome. Yes. Well, thanks Thrilled for coming on, there. everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank thank you so much for joining us on our kind of intro to October episode. I feel like you two are the most Halloween people in my Facebook and Instagram feed. So it is quite the honor to have you here. <laughs> Wow, that's that's the, actually that's an honor there. Yeah, that's the greatest compliment I could ever really get. So it's great. Me too. Like well, I mean, this movie is—it's a good one. Bananas. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott, do you have a little bit of info about Fright Night, and then we'll jump in here? Yeah, like I said, directed uh, directed by Tom Holland, who uh, he. Is the creator of Child's Play. Did you know that, Pete? Well, I remember Tom Holland from uh, Spider-Man Far From Home in the Marvel Universe. Not I didn't that, know he was this old. That, Tom Holland. Oh. <laughs> we had to throw it out there at the beginning. But yeah, Fright Night released October 2nd, 1985. Sure. Released the same day as movies that made us gay favorite Weird Science. They both <gasps> came out the same day. I love Weird Science. And it was a sleeper hit of 1985. It grossed $24 million at the box office since its release. It has received positive reviews from critics and has become a cult classic. Fright Night, as a franchise, has grown to include one sequel, Fright Night Part 2 in 1988, a remake in 2011, which was followed by Fright Night 2 New Blood in 2013. Fright Night and (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, were the top-grossing horror films of 1985. Wow. So let's get into it. Okay. I mean, that's two really, like, faggoty horror movies both 85 <laughs> and i think that they sort of broke each Good other's Lord. records yeah. at the time wow wow what wow. a gay yeah. year for horror yeah. okay so i feel like uh i i remember 1985 i don't know about the other uh three on this on this call here but but i i was a kid when this came out uh, a very young child but i sure. do remember this movie as a kid and my cousins and i just kind of loving it and going crazy for it just because of all the amazing uh, practical effects and just the fact that we loved horror movies as kids. Uh, guys, do you remember the first time you saw Fright Night or do you have a history with this movie? You guys want to talk about that? I think I saw it in middle school maybe. And sure. uh, I mean, I always recalled the artwork when I was a kid, but that I never poster. saw it sure. until it was – yeah, it's an amazing poster. I love that that art. Uh, I don't think I saw it until I was in middle school, and I sure. just got it on V 
VHS and watched it. And to, uh, truth be told, I don't know if I loved it at the right. time. I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. – it, it was good, but I just didn't really have a des- des- uh, desire to w- watch it again. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd, I think I saw the sequel once. I, I've still never seen that again. I think I liked it once again, but I don't. <laughs> I, I don't have a very interesting history with this film. It's 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 not like one where I was like, oh, I watched it when I was like six, and it's just been my favorite ever since. It's, it's right. kind of just like one of those things that I don't have much of a history with it. Yeah, Kevin, well, what about you? I had rent. I, I, um, it's become one of my favorite horror movies, but, uh, wasn't always the case either. Like I had yeah. rented it a couple times when I was younger and, uh, kind of just disappeared for several, several years. And then in college, I think I went back to it. I'd heard they were doing the reboot and I was like, oh, I remember that movie from my childhood. I should go back and revisit that. Um, so I did and I just fell in love with it. And I don't know if that is because of the, the eightiesness of it in general. It's so like dated that I think it, it has become this kind of camp classic in itself too. Like yeah. not completely, but you know, it um there's plenty of camp elements there and just the, the queerness of it all we, we'll get into it. But um Ooh. uh yeah, it's um and I was really excited to see the original I mean um, the um remake and I went and I uh, went with a couple friends and uh it's something. Yeah, it exists. <laughs> it's uh, it's a movie. That, it is in um, fact a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was written by uh, Marty Noxon, who did like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and everything for else. Sure. I was excited for that, yeah. and um, it's fine. Like it's something. It, uh, but yeah, doesn't really hold the candle to the original for me. So yeah, for sure. I think for me, seeing it in 1985, right after Gremlins, I think my like little kid brain just thought that it was Zach Galligan sure. just assumed that it was the same <laughs> character from Gremlins. I have on my notes Zach Galligan and. Uh, Timothy Hutton from Ordinary People. If you just cross those two actors, sure, you get this guy. Yeah, I you get Ragsdale. Sure. See that? Yeah. And then uh, later on, as I went into my like preteen years, we had Herman's Head, the amazingly terrible short-lived sitcom that he was in, and that was just another thing where you're just like, oh, Herman's Head, it's the guy from Fright Night, like and. It brought back <laughs> memories of Fright Night. And yeah, as kids, because we were so young, I feel like in 85, we were like six or seven. So it was that thing that to a little kid, this was like the craziest, scariest movie. There's some nuts practical effects, like I said. The weird like werewolf situation, you know, Marcy Darcy's like crazy, like clown face, you know, uh, weird shark mouth thing that's going on at the end um so i think that's kind of why i had this real affinity for it but yeah when you go back and watch it as an adult this movie's gay as hell sure Mm -hmm. so my intro to this movie i think i watched and the remake had been out for a good few years before i rented it on our tv i rented it in 3d i remember you were out recording for uh your other podcast Mm -hmm. and i just watched it one night i was like i have 3d glasses I'm just going to watch it in 3D. And I liked it. And I didn't really have a context for the original at all. Yeah. I just knew that it was Vampire Moves In Next Door yeah. to the suburbs. And I like the remake. Like you said, it's not great. I feel like if you're comparing it to the usual trash remakes of the 2000s, it's not bad. It's like it's sure. not like it's not like the Black Christmas remake of 2006 or even like the prom night or fog remake. I mean, oh, even no. total oh, yes. recall no. is just sure. like oh, so no. forgettable, but yeah, definitely like the remakes from this time that don't really exist. Like the total recall remake that they're just sort of there. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, I mainly just sweet. remember that Tony Collette plays the mom. Yeah, I th- I feel like yeah. the mom character in this movie has about four minutes of screen time, but when she's there, oh man, I love her. <laughs> sure, yeah, she's, she's owning. great. Yeah, she's fantastic. I think that's why I didn't. I was a little mad in the remake because it's Tony Collette and she has like four lines and she does nothing. <laughs> like I think she's out of commission for like the last act of the film completely and i'm like you have tony collette Use yeah her. my god like a romantic subplot between colin farrell and tony collette like does he like ask her out on I dates and so. she starts going out with them yes i think there was okay. something like yeah. that yeah, yeah yeah because they cut out the entire um uh male roommate storyline uh, from the original yeah. so it's like yeah. it's less gay automatically so yeah. why do yeah. i care yeah. you know <laughs> exactly Exactly, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, they just cut out com- completely. This live-in carpenter situation. I have a lot of uh, questions. Oh, my God. Okay, so just to give a brief plot synopsis of Fright Night, and we don't have to go beat by beat into this, but teenager, question mark, Charlie? Sure. <laughs> if they say so, I, I, I don't know. And again, tangent number one, I've said two words but uh you know to bring it back to gremlins that character is like he's an adult he works at the bank but he just still lives in kingston falls and he still lives with his parents and it's not really addressed because it's 1984 so not going to college is just like okay don't go to college but there's still remnants of that script of when that character was supposed to be a child though that i don't think ever left the script you mean the fact that his best friend is Corey Feldman, yes. who's fully 10 years younger than him? <laughs> That's true. Okay. That works. Um, but in this movie, they're teenagers, and they're specifically called out that they go to high school, and Charlie's a teenager. William Ragsdale, I feel like, looks about 22, 23, which, you know, whatever. It's a movie. So uh, Charlie is a, is a teenager. It starts off with him and his girlfriend – Attempting to, uh, quote, make love as she repeatedly (laughs) describes it. (laughs) I love the fact that she's constantly talking about making love to him. She's classy. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's got like that, like, I I don't like her hair in this. It makes her look like a mom. Like, she she doesn't look like a teenager. I feel like once she finally actually, you know, lets her hair down, she looks great. And I'm like, why couldn't she have had that hair for the entire film? Like, uh, why does she look like a 48-year-old soccer mom? I don't get it. It, Nancy Reagan of it all, you know? Uh, Yeah. 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 The the conservative. Yeah. Very true. The the wig journey for the girlfriend, Amy. We're we're definitely going to go through that. But uh, Amy, the girlfriend, is played by Amanda Burse, famously Mm -hmm. known as Marcy Darcy. And all you're just thinking of when you're watching this movie is just Marcy Darcy from Married with Children. Or at least that's what was happening with me. (laughs) But maybe, maybe that's why Amy, the character's hair is so short, because Marcy Darcy noted uh, lesbian. Iconic lesbian. Iconic yes. lesbian uh-huh. has just yeah. always had this cropped haircut, you know, her ever since she was a teen. But um, I have to say, I like her performance as Amy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think oh, she's, she's good. She's yeah, fantastic. she's good. Yeah. The hair is funny because it is this short, you know, Nancy Reagan style. It's that 
80s length of short hair, but they'll still like throw in a tiny little ponytail. Mm hmm. You know, in like weird spots, like right on top or like right to the side. Um, so that's funny. But uh, while they're attempting to make love, Charlie sees that, you know, neighbors are moving in to the mansion next door. It's like a burb style old house on their block. Yeah, it almost looks like it's the same backlot set from so- like that and like. I don't know, like the ghost in Mr. Ch- Chicken or something. Like that's what it looks like. So we like. were I'm wondering like, they that just too. And same backlot. So we have we have a pretty good memory of this backlot because we have done the Universal backlot tour uh, many times. Yes, indeed. And we can clock that set like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that. I think it's another really? neighborhood set in Los Angeles. It's definitely a set though. Okay. Could have fooled me. I, it, it looks like. It, yeah, I almost thought that the house. The house. I almost thought that the house was Elvira's house from Mistress of the Dark. I thought that it yes. maybe it's maybe sure. it's the Munster's house. Um, but yeah, those mm-hmm. are very specific to that Wisteria Lane, Universal Street, Colonial and, Street, right. Colonial Street. Yeah. But there are some <laughs> reverse angles where it's probably not that. But the neighbors are moving in. Charlie thinks he sees a coffin and just throws Amy off his lap. And <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, he, uh, he it's like they're ostensibly they're about to have sex, but of yeah. course the first distraction he finds, he's he doesn't want to have sex anymore basically. And that's no. it that carries over throughout a good chunk of the movie. Like he's <laughs> always distracted from having sex with her. And he yeah. sees these two guys carrying these giant coffins, like you said, just like packing wood, essentially. And it's just, <laughs> I, I, how do you read this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, most other movies with teen characters, the entire movie is built around the guy trying to get the girl yeah. to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, you know, we're yeah. making pacts and we're making bets and we're doing all this stuff to get the girl in bed. And this girl is good to go. She's down to fuck. She's hot to trot. And he's just exactly. like... But did you see the neighbors, what they were bringing in? Did you see what they're taking out? Like, all this nonsense. And when we first meet the mother, because they, you know, Amy's just like, all right, screw this. If you're not going to bone me, I'm out. And the mom and the mom asks them if they're having a lover's quarrel. Yeah, I love that scene. Yes. <laughs> the mom is so great. The mom yeah. basically steals the entire film. And she does. She really is only in like four or five scenes but yes. she's just she's such a cuckoo i mean she's just i, I adore her i wish she's they would have worked her into the last act of the movie somehow yes. yeah yeah that would have been amazing <laughs> oh, i love yet, her she, her dialogue is crazy she tells them if they're having a lover's quarrel but it's good that they're having a quarrel because if they don't fight before they're married then their marriage is going to fall apart like all this nonsense and he's like mom i'm 17 <laughs> And like, and she was like, "Tell your uh, Marcy, tell your mom, like, I'm bringing something to like poker night." Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so, of course, um, I, you know, I, I hear he's got a living carpenter, right? Yeah, yes. my like is probably gay. He's probably gay. I love it. <laughs> uh, so they address uh, it right in the first right five away. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I've I've been told that Tom Holland doesn't. He never understood why people thought this was gay. And I'm oh like, my goodness. Even Chris Sarandon said that he never really, that didn't really click as they were making it. 
It's oh, yeah. I've watched that like three hour documentary that they did, and I don't remember a whole lot from it. But I remember they specifically asked like Tom Holland, and yeah, he just pretty much is like, "Oh, I uh, I guess that's there. People have told me that's there." I'm like, "Okay, Tom." But the staging of so many scenes, especially with Chris Sarandon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, (laughs) Chris Sarandon, who just (laughs) looks like he got his wardrobe from like a 1984 international mail catalog. Oh, my God, yes. That red scarf. It's very international male. It's very, like, Chess King, you know, like, mall male guy stores at the mall. Chess King, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, the neighbor, this guy moves in. He's single, but he's got a live-in carpenter. Uh, What is that all about? Who knows? Um, (laughs) Also, I wanted to say, like, it's interesting that he moves to the suburbs. Like, he doesn't get, like, a mansion on the hill. He doesn't get, like, a cabin out in the woods. I guess he's just investing in real estate. Sure. Like, he he got this house at a good price. (laughs) Because he's just going to bring people over there to kill them. You'd think he'd want a place that's a little more secluded. And he's not discreet. Like, he's doing this just, I mean, people are just walking through his door on this this neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling that he moves moves around a lot too. Maybe like yeah, after he's true. after people start to get suspicious, maybe he's like, let's go on to the next place. But who maybe knows? So. Yeah. And also, this suburb is adjacent to a large city because as they're walking Amy home one night in a, in a later scene, they walk her through Skid Row. Apparently, yeah, they're downtown LA. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. there, there is a, a metropolitan center that he could have found an apartment in, where he could have lured these unsuspecting babes. Exactly. Uh, these babes that he does bring in, that Charlie sees, you know, he sees this one woman just show up, and she's like, "Oh, is this like blah 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 street?" And he's like, "Oh, that's next door." Disappears. This woman. Oh my god. These are like straight up like Playboy playmates. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Very, like, yeah. Miss September, Miss October. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. yeah. I can see yeah. it. So maybe yeah. that's... If they remade this, like, uh, Anna Ferris could, like, you know, come back and do uh, like, a house routine. <laughs> I mean, they've, been, oh, they've done God. a remake, but why not remake it again? Because they just keep remaking movies over and over again, so why not? <laughs> I would be so into that. She's just like, this is wrong for me. I'm just going to leave. And it's such a completely different movie ever since then. Yes. I love yes. that. but uh, maybe that's what threw you know chris sarandon off because his character just keeps banging these chicks true but but then his like there's that his manservant has to like patch up his wounds on his knees in front of him yeah (laughs) i mean he's at least a little bi right i mean yeah yeah and it's like and, even when he's banging the you know the one woman he's like making eyes at Charlie there across yeah. the way and uh, yep. it's not subtle at all it's not like no. an evil look like stop looking at me kid it's like oh no. why don't you it's uh, like oh you're gonna watch look and see what happens <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you like exactly. and that scene where where he's patching the wounds it's even staged mm-hmm. and shot mm-hmm. like he's giving him a BJ yeah. it's blowing him <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on like i mean maybe it was like an act actor thing like hey tom like what if i do it like this and he he was just like sure do what you want you're an actor i'm a director i bow down to you sure true and then yeah. it just ended up looking like that and they were they but then were why like, did we'll he have to pull it, but... why did he have to pull the shades down that made it look even more suspect <laughs> oh. i love it, it well i mean it feels like um 
like Jonathan Stark, who plays Billy Cole, is yeah. almost more in on this than um, uh, yeah. Jerry, Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, I feel like he's uh-huh. just living it up, and he's like, I'm a vampire, so everyone is attracted to me, and I'm in yes. my own little world. Whereas yes. Jonathan Stark is playing it like, you know, male... Yeah. Yeah, partner and it's fascinating exactly. yeah. he is because yeah, he's I the one he he's the one that's there that's kind of uh deflecting when charlie brings in the cop and you know all these questions come around he's just like what are you talking about kid so yeah he's the one that's kind of protecting jerry and so yeah i feel like you're right he would i think that actor would have to understand like what the hell I think I re- I read yeah. uh you know some IMDb trivia where Chris Randon said, "Well, I just I just took it as Dracula and Renfield." You know, sure. it's like because is that I character mean, a vampire? Could, but is he fully turned? He's out during the day. It's unclear. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a bit of a mystery. I I'm it's like but at at the same time it's like why would he be there? Unless he was getting something in return, you yeah. Know what I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It, depending right on there. like which version of Dracula you know you read, watch, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes that character is played more homoerotic mm-hmm. or even you know homosexual, and it's uh, it's yeah, it's a fascinating thing with that for sure. Um, and then later on in the movie, it's like Ed kind of takes over that role of the oh, kind of Renfield man. sort of thing. We so have to oh, get um, to Evil Ed, which yes, is like the gayest <laughs> thing about this movie. Uh, this actor, Stephen oh, Gregory, I think his name is? Jeffries. Stephen Jeffries. Stephen Jeffries. I'm obsessed with Stephen Jeffries' this performance. So good. <laughs> he has this voice like Bobcat Goldthwait from Police Academy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lamp here. This delivery is iconic. I can't even like begin to describe it. So okay, yeah. Evil Ed. I feel like in another movie they would kind of show Ed being Ed and Charlie both probably being bullied a little bit more. The school than, outcasts. Yeah, because yeah. later on when Jerry does, you know, decide to. I, I fuck <laughs> evil Ed. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And he gives him the, oh, well, he actually tells Charlie, he gives him the vampire Lestat line of, I'm going to give you the choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is also super yeah. gay. And then, yeah. you know, he tells Ed, like, you know, you're not going to be bullied anymore. And it's like, well, we didn't really see that. Like, is he bullied? I was going to say, yeah, we never see him getting picked on at all. And I'm like, that would maybe be a little more powerful if we actually yeah. saw some sort of bullying but we never do he just kind of like he seems a little annoying i can see why maybe <laughs> why he, yeah. would he wouldn't have many friends because he's a little shrill but like we never he see seems, it so i just assume he's happy-ish I don't know. yeah i mean he seems like i mean he's very interested in horror films and all but like you know so was i and i wasn't exactly yeah like, yeah bully i mean you know it yeah, it, 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 yeah it's uh and they don't really say why they call him Evil Ed, but I assume, again, because he's that's his interest and everything. Yeah. But that would be good to know, too. But <laughs> Yeah, that was another thing. We don't really... He calls him evil, and, and he, he doesn't, doesn't like He doesn't it. like to be called it. We have a yeah, clip of that really scene. Yeah, he's mad about it. Ooh, yeah. yes. Yeah. We have we have some um, some Ed uh, dialogue. Let's, uh, let's get into that Perfect. here. I have a vampire living next door to me, and he's going to kill me if I don't protect myself. <laughs> What? Come on, Evil, I haven't got time to explain. Just tell me what to do to protect myself. 
Very funny, Brewster. Evil, please, I'm not kidding. Just tell me what to do. Don't call me evil anymore. Why should I help you anyway? Look, I've got eight bucks. You help me and, and it's yours. Well, far be it from me to turn down a fool's money. Uh, now, where... And when do you expect the vampire to attack? In my bedroom, tonight. Start with this. But you must have total faith in it for it to work. Then get some garlic, links to the stuff you can wear around your neck and hang from your window. If he comes for you, that'll be the way. Then... Of course, there's holy water. <laughs> but uh, you, you got to get a priest to say a blessing over it first. <laughs> I feel like I went to high school with this shithead kid. <laughs> yeah. Definitely that, that yeah. type of shithead that uh, you hadn't thought about in years, and you go back home, and you're on Scruffer Grinder, and you just see him. And you're just like, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> and then you get linked to like his weird like oh. red boy profile or something. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's a perfect segue to talk about, you know, Stephen's uh, career path there. You know, um, and I feel the like most he... most interesting trajectory. Yeah, yeah, I feel like he could have had such a, such a good career in voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, his, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. Sure. His voice mm-hmm. is so, like, uh, expressive, and it's got all this, this mm-hmm. crazy range. He could have gone into, into voiceover... But, uh, you know, he went in the other direction. If you're not going to do voiceover, what do you do? <laughs> Gay porn. Naturally. <laughs> Obviously. Of course. Obviously. Of course. I mean, you know, that, that, that I've just never – I've heard of people doing porn and then somehow becoming actors after the fact. But never someone going into porn after being an actor. It just, yeah. It's just such a yeah. strange journey. You know, I mean, no judgment here. No, I'd be lying no. if I said I didn't actually see a few of his – films i i was curious okay so yeah um, oh, some of the work of what? sam he's, ritter oh i've watched him he's yes he's very committed you know and yes. uh so good for him and i love some good not, vintage you know? 80s porn too it's always fun you know it's on it's always, video I, mean, I i have to say he's probably one of the better actors in in porn which i know is not saying much but <laughs> he seems like he's having a good old time so good for yeah. him good for him <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sam Ritter, folks, if you want to look him up. (laughs) It's all on Pornhub. (laughs) Well, it's not all there. There's like one or two. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's out there. (laughs) That's an interesting career path. I'm sure there's a lot of information on what, you know, what happened there. But I kind of I'm not really that mad at his character in this movie. Kind of annoying, but that's just the character of Evil Ed. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he's got a he's got a good arc with um, what happens to him eventually when he does get captured by Jerry, and he's got a really good scene at the end with Roddy McDowell, who we haven't even talked about. Mm, yes, oh, oh, oh yes, <laughs> showy queen, oh, old Hollywood Roddy McDowell. Yes. Oh my goodness! Oh god! Yeah, he's you so said it, dude. In this too, he's just he's having a blast, and you can just tell it's. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. I do. Okay. I appreciate the fact that what they were trying to do in showing that this is 
this is a person who, in the universe of this movie, has been an actor for a long time, was in movies, you know, these really kind of shitty B-movies, and, and now he's doing this horror hosting gig. And so they're trying to illustrate that he's maybe a little bit older than Roddy McDowell was at the time. But this, like, Halloween store, like, spray can silver hair situation <laughs> is a little distracting. It's a bit much, yeah. yeah. It seemed like Roddy took pretty good care of himself. Yeah. Even yeah. up until mm-hmm. the end, you know. So I I think they were trying to make him look like he was more, you know, down on on, on his luck. I mean, he does do this. He, he he does help these random kids out for, like, what what is it, like a $500, like, bond, savings bond or <laughs> yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so great. Yeah. So yeah. it's like he must really be – because this was before the the days of cons. So I'm sure if there right. had been cons, then right. he could maybe make a little extra money. But I just oh, think it's yeah. so funny. He's like, 500 bucks, I'm sold. Because <laughs> yeah. these kids are crazy. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's so funny to me. He seems very yeah directionless by that point in his life, yeah. and uh, here come these kids with like a uh, little bit of money, and you know uh, why not? You know, uh, so something fun to do for the day, and yeah, yeah, it's so funny to me. I I, I love that. It, it, it's I just I find his character really fascinating because it's it's it, there's kind of like a sort of a kind of a bittersweet quality yes. to him, you know, where it, it's obvious his life hasn't turned out exactly as he had planned, and yeah. but he's just trying to do the best he can. It's it's a, it, it's just a really sweet character, and um, but how do they find him? Like, it seems like he just lives, like, a few blocks away, and, and <laughs> I'm like, where do they live exactly? Because if, if this does take place in L- L.A., I guess it, it would make some kind of sense, because actors tend to live there but yeah yeah it just it it it, it always kind of seemed like this took place somewhere like more in the mid the mid the the midwest and i'm like how do you how do you get to this guy well you know i do assume that he's just kind of a local tv horror host and i'm guessing in smaller towns like that you can just okay well if he's hosting you know channel six or whatever i'm just going to go down to the studio and just go to payroll. Yeah, at probably the local studio. in the '80s, you could just go do that and just be like, "I'm here to talk right. to Peter Vincent," and they'll just like, "Okay, go, here you go." Um, it's a lot more loosey goosey back then. So I was reading about this character and how he's definitely the heart of the movie. And when Tom Holland was coming up with the idea of the story, all he had was the premise of a vampire moves in to this kid next door. And he didn't really have that good of a story. So it just kind of sat there in his mind. And when he was talking to an executive at Columbia, they finally settled on that the movie's going to revolve around a horror host, that he has to go to this horror host to help him. So that was sort of the... That was what really got the script going or the story. So that's kind of why he's the heart of the movie, because they didn't really know where to take it until that character came to mind. And when you kind of look at Rowdy's character and also Rowdy McDowell himself in the 80s, that whenever he showed up in 80s movies, he was definitely a novelty. Like, he didn't really have a lot to work with. I mean, for whatever probably episode of The Love Boat he was on, it was just like, (laughs) oh, remember Rowdy McDowell from Planet of the Apes? And I think that he's given a lot to work with in this character, and I think that he Mm -hmm. probably saw a lot of his career in this guy. 
that yeah. he was just yeah. sort of he was just sort of a a novelty sure in the industry and he's given a lot to work with yeah i agree yeah, and yeah. i'm a sucker for Absolutely. any time in a movie like galaxy quest where they play something on tv or a movie and they have to become that they have to like rise to the occasion and become that character yeah. i love that mm-hmm. also very yeah, like romancing the stone just sort of yes, finding yourself yes. in whatever uh kind of field that you write about or you act in yeah yeah i love that mm-hmm. yeah yeah that, that, yeah that's a good point because yeah there's that sort of idea of um people have seen him in this iconic role for so long and um maybe at one point in his life he thought he was closer to this character that he used to play in terms of being really brave but he's now he's down on his luck and he doesn't feel that way anymore and here come these kids and they're like you know can you help us with this and he's like yeah well this is a chance to actually be a brave person do something with my life again yeah and, that's a, a great, you know, opportunity for him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I struggle sometimes with the, like, if you did the queer reading sort of of the film, like, uh, Jerry is sort of the representation of, like, um, uh, like here's all the queer, you know, things that you could be doing here, Charlie. Um, if you were an adult, this is, like, all this queer shit um, you sure. could be doing. And then where does, like, Roddy come in? You know, where is um, uh, Peter? Like, he's kind of like this... Um, Dumbledore, like Obi Wan kind of character, and but he's still very queer. So it's like both sides of the equation are very queer. You know, you have yeah. the Jerry really like bisexual energy, and then you have this showy queen Roddy McDowell, and it's just it's, it's fascinating. I don't know. Maybe maybe Peter Vincent is there to say like, okay, you can have your like crazy twenties like club going grinder finding ways but eventually you yeah. you're going to just end up being a plant gay that <laughs> you know, you lives a quiet existence <laughs> yeah i'll buy it all alone yeah i don't know i'm just In i'm just spitballing here apartment um, but yeah poor you know poor peter vincent gets fired from this horror host job and it's really interesting that as early as 85 there's this commentary on horror that mm-hmm. all the kids are interested in now, you know, and he specifically says is like mask wearing maniacs we that are that chasing virgins. And it's like yeah. this idea of the classic movie monsters kind of like falling by the wayside. Um, yeah, we do have a little bit of that clip. We're going to listen to it right now. Unfortunately, none of your generation seems to be. What do you mean? I have just been fired because nobody wants to see vampire killers anymore, or vampires either. Apparently all they want are demented madmen running around in ski masks, hacking up young virgins. Can't you excuse me? I believe in vampires. That's nice. If only there had been a few more of you, perhaps my ratings would have been higher. In fact, I have one living next door to me. Would you help me kill him? Pardon me. Well, you know the murder of that girl that happened a few days ago? Yeah. The guy who lives next door to me did it. And he's a vampire. If this is your idea of a joke, I am not amused question is roddy mcdowell actually british <laughs> i think who he knows is, right i think he is but see you know back in the day like that whole like mgm studio yeah training, everyone yep. sounded like vaguely yep. british this refined you know, like, voice 
Yeah, it's like for the longest time I was like, Betty Davis, isn't she from uh, like London? And no, yeah, she's, she's nope. Just, it's so grand, you know. Ev- everyone was grand, and they never had any R's. They never said R. Mm-hmm. There was never an R. No R's to be found in that. No. Very East Coast. It's the Mid Atlantic accent. Um, I, mm-hmm. Upon a very quick uh, IMDb search, he was in fact born in England. Um, so, oh good, that's okay. that's a real accent there. Okay. I think it is a little bit exaggerated. Probably, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's it, pretty yeah, close it to the that he has in a bug's life. Yeah. <laughs> it connects definitely. him to that Hammer, the Hammer films and everything. Yes. You know, at one point That's they're watching true. that Christopher Lee film. And, and um, I love what you said, too, about, like, you know, how the film brings you back to that era. And it, 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 it everything in the 80s was nostalgic for the 50s, you know? And, yeah. It, but at the same time, this, like you said, it's a lot of these older monsters are being pushed to the wayside or they're being made fun of like monster squad i love monster squad but it is sort of poking fun at the monsters to a large degree as well but there was a sort of innocence to that period that gets lost when you get into like all the 80s slashers of you know jason just killing people over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. that um i can understand someone like uh peter being you know nostalgic for that era and people from his generation um because right. I just rewatched, like even like Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein. It's like they're 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 charming, you know. Uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, for they sure. don't have the same sort of um, aesthetic or uh, bloodlust kind of, you know, that uh, <laughs> the films from the eighties do. And the, so, yeah, I, I can get that. Yeah, Scott brought up a really good point yesterday as we were watching this, and um, this movie could kind of almost serve as like a bridge between those classic monster movies and like a more modern if you will 80s aesthetic because what scott mentioned yesterday was had there really been a vampire in the modern world before this movie Mm -hmm. like i can't really even think of any and not like dracula 1972 from like the hammer movies (laughs) that's like a time traveler maybe like the hunger i mean that was sure yeah yeah lost boys was like a few years after this because i think lost boys was 1987 i guess daughters of darkness that was 71 71 yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, not not many that that whole thing kind of went by the wayside in the 70s a bit and then yeah it, it seemed like this movie sort of kicked kicked off kind of a, a sort of res, resurge I'm, I'm sorry resurgence of them because then you had like vamp and the lost boys yeah. monster squad and and so the slash the slashers kind of took up most of the early 80s but then by the mid 80s slashers were s- slowly starting to kind of die out a bit yeah, and then you had these more sort of like fantastical things, and so they kind of came back a bit after this, but it, it seemed like they were gone for a really long time. Yeah, if you want to look up a really interesting review of this movie, look up Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert's at the movies review of this. <laughs> oh god, because Gene oh, Siskel, no. like he likes the first probably thirty minutes of the movie, and then after that he's having none of it. And even Roger Ebert was like, "Okay, chill out." <laughs> and that's pretty much like the debate that Gene Siskel was having, that he just didn't like just how gross it was, the creature effects. He didn't like that it resorted to that. And Roger Ebert was just like, it's a vampire movie. And this is like 1985. So like that's what you're going to do in a new vampire In a modern, movie. yeah. And he was just not getting it. That's Siskel was such a baby. 
Yeah. A little fuddy duddy. Oh, he's the worst. Yeah. God, he was oh. pathetic. I, you know, yeah. Well, uh, because um, like, sorry, uh, Werewolf films had at least made a little bit of a comeback, mm-hmm. with, you know, with American Werewolf in London and um, The Howling. And you can see a lot of that influence on, like, this film as well, even with some yes. of the transformation yes. sequences, for sure, and the practical effects there. And um, so, yeah, it does seem like an attempt to be like, okay, well, we t- we did the werewolves, and now let's try the vampires again and see if we can get them up and going. And um, and with a lot of rear window vibes. Um, oh, yes, yeah. the first probably 30 minutes is yeah. very rear window. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's why Siskel liked it, because it was classic. <laughs> didn't have to resort to gross-out gags. But, and, yeah. I mean, speaking of how just, you know, modern for the 80s they decided to make this movie, uh, there is a really amazing set piece that takes place in a club. Like a new wave <laughs> kind of, like, disco club. Yes. yes. And um, there's some... Great shit that goes on in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's one of Amy's very first like hair transformations that happens mm. in the blink of an eye. I can't even with this yeah. hair transformation. So, you know, he's doing this like Jerry, the vampire, is doing this very like classic vampire kind of like what do you even call that? A glamour kind of a situation where they kind of like put someone in a in a spell or a trance, you know? Yeah, um, so, yeah. And uh, he's 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 luring Amy to him in this in this nightclub, and um, as they're having this kind of a dance break, she goes off camera for she kind of goes down right like. Out of frame? Yeah. And she's revealed with this fabulous blown-out hair. I love it. I think she looks hot. Yes. I was like, finally, finally. (laughs) Finally, good hair on poor Amy. Got a stylist. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get, there's that one moment that's like essentially taken from like fear with, you know, where he's putting his fingers all up in there, you know, like a recent mark on the wall, uh, on the roller coaster, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) I I was surprised that he, that they showed as much of his hands as they did. I'd yeah. forgotten about that. I yeah. And also, like, this girl's underage when you kind of look back at it. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it was the 80s. Yeah. No one cared. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cared then. Now, I'm sure, oh, my God, there'd be so many things. Like, oh, oh how dare they do that? It's like, she's, like, 25, though. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's not <laughs> yeah. an actual 17-year-old. Like, people, like, the thing that drives me nuts, like, the opening of carry now people oh my goodness the fuck out about they're oh, like no these girls are supposed to be underage i'm like have you seen them they look like they're about 35 okay? yeah exactly like no <laughs> one's believing that they're you know 16 like there's no way but when they're like but one of the best friends is eating mcclurg like the jig is up <laughs> yeah i'm like really really yeah. are, are are we sure she doesn't work for the school print principal are we sure about that i don't know <laughs> It's a little suspect to me. Ugh. Yeah, but they do they do make a brief mention of the age gap when Charlie and Amy are attempting to leave the club and a bouncer stops Jerry and says to them, if you're looking for chicken, you got to go somewhere else, which that was kind of <laughs> scandalous to me. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just more accepted in the 80s, apparently. I, you know, I. Like, it's they're just fully acknowledging, like, oh, you want underage girls? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then in typical 80s fashion, you know, those bouncer characters are quickly 
dispatched, know, uh, dispatched, <laughs> oh, yeah. and of course they're the the, the rare African American characters in the film. And True, of course they're the ones who get That's dispatched. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That that guy though is in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, right? He's the guy that gets his arm yes, chopped off actually. by Jason. Now that you say that, he like tries to save the day, and then he immediately uh-huh. gets his arm chopped oh, off. He's Are like, "Hey!" And then it's just <laughs> like totally dead. I'm like, "Wow, okay." He had a really yeah. good part in that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> so right, right before this <laughs> right before this scene, we um we kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, Charlie, Ed and Amy are walking. I guess they're trying to walk Amy home. And um mm-hmm. Ed's like, "I'm going to go this way. I'm going to cut through this alley." Charlie's like, don't cut through the alley. You know, it's dark. We know there are vampires out there. And Ed's like, fuck you, whatever. I'm going to go down the alley. (laughs) And he promptly gets, you know, captured by Jerry. Now, when Chris Sarandon as Jerry is with evil Ed, and he is just kind of like, all right, dude, just make peace with it because I'm about to, like, turn you or whatever – it's so crazy the way he like puts like it's so gay like i was yeah. it's very like daddy yeah. and son role play <laughs> yeah yeah oh man like i'll take care of you baby boy it's, it's a like, lot oh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's a lot and yeah it, it's yeah it's that question of okay maybe he wasn't playing it quote unquote gay but he was playing it like he had chemistry with everyone in that film and including evil ed in that moment he's like okay well i'm gonna seduce him like i would you know amy earlier on or you know it's uh it definitely comes across that way you know um, yeah and again that's a very like modern kind of take on vampires it's where you know Mm -hmm. Anne rice has gone you know went in all of her work and it's you know the true blood situation it's just like when you're alive this long it's like who cares (laughs) so much yeah Yeah, it's very there's a there's a kind of a fluidity yes most vampires it seems yeah especially yeah yeah, it's odd but no i'm yeah the the, (laughs) just like i mean the the the, um, it seems like we see it more with like the female vampires because you, you got lesbian vampires going back all the way back oh, to Carmilla, yeah. which came out before yeah. the Dracula novel. And but then in the seventies, you had all these lesbian vampire films, and then it was like the eighties. It's like okay, let's try this kind of fluid dude vampire and yeah. see how that goes. Even if he didn't necessarily play it that way, that's how it comes off. You that's know, how it comes uh, off for sure. We have yeah. a little clip, of and that. every time he's on screen, it has this like '70s porn music playing behind him, and it's 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 crazy. <laughs> oh, I love like, the music. <laughs> that music is hot. Okay, it's hot. That music it's is hot. so good. <laughs> it's sexy. Oh, it's pretty good. We've got a little clip. We're gonna we're gonna play that now. You don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like being different. They won't pick on you anymore. We'll beat you up. I'll see what I have. All you have to do is take my hand. Here, Edward. Take my hand. This, is, this score is done by Brad Fidel, who did the Terminator theme. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can hear that. Oh, yeah. I, love mm-hmm. it. I love it so much. I think it's the... I, I, that one cue in particular, I think, is really great because it is yeah. a it's a sexy little number. I like it. It is, it's yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of like y- Tangerine Dreamish, you know. It's yeah, like, for you know, sure. 
I often kind of forget about it, but, you know, a few years ago, you know, when Stranger Things came around and, like, all of these movies, all of these horror movies and and properties started using this very, like, 80s synth aesthetic, you know, Mm. um, you just automatically think of, like, Terminator. Or uh, the Chariots of Fire guys that did Blade Runner. Vangelis. uh, Vangelis, yeah. 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 Um, But, yeah, this kind of falls in with those, and I... You know, I forgot about it. And when I was watching it last night and just you saying it right now, it's definitely fits in with that, you know, that aesthetic that these movies and, and TV shows are, are kind of stealing, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I sure. love it. I love a good synth score. I, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so glad that it's kind of coming back. I, yeah. I really love it a lot. <laughs> I really- mean, I think it's really used super effectively in It Follows. Yes. I just oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. absolutely yeah we've talked about that before too oh yeah. good okay yeah, yeah we're yeah. we're big fans of it follows and it's just like everything about it you know the aesthetic the, the the sounds all of that so yeah I think that this this movie really uses that that score you know extremely well um, but yeah just the dialogue that that Jerry is giving to to Ed man shit. Oh. <laughs> Just a, just I know so what it's like to be different. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Also, just a vampire named yeah. Jerry. Then, <laughs> That's what they land on, Jerry. Oh, yeah, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. So, so, Jerry Dandridge. So, yeah. so when do we think Typical, Jerry man. was turned? How old do you think Jerry is as a vampire? Oh, man. Good question. I guess you're not supposed to age after you're turned, right? So, yeah. I mean, he looks like a 80s, 35. Right. Well, we don't really get the full view of, and we haven't even talked about this yet, the whole Love Never Dies situation yes. with Amy's, like, painted portrait and all of his, yeah. like, stuff. Yeah. They so I would have loved to have really seen, and... like, a full version of that to kind of get an idea of the era that we're coming from, you know? That's true. Yeah, they never really specify when they first met and, yeah. like, had their fling or whatever i it's just sort of right it almost it sort of feels like they put that in there more towards the end and just sort of wanted to have some kind of a connection between the two characters and they don't really go into it as much as i would have hoped you know it just it's another sort of dracula montage because it's always like the mina harker character is always being Mm -hmm. reborn and he's always meeting her and etc so i i I, I think there is a whole lot of dracula in here we talked about renfield earlier and yeah um just carrying a lot of that over uh but then it's it's kind of interesting that like um amy plays eventually ends up um Oh, sorry, Amanda ends up, ends up becoming the sort of Mina character. But, like, before that, it was almost Charlie was more the kind of Mina character who he was, like, uh, you know, seducing at times yeah. just with, you know, with looks and stuff. And then at one point, it's kind of like Ed, but then Ed kind of becomes the Renfield type character. So it's like there's always the shifting dynamics where it's not exactly Dracula, but you get little bits of it here with, yeah. like, through, like, our super bi lens. It's <laughs> coming in yeah. through bedroom windows. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, there's that there's that line too where Ed says like, "Okay, where where are you gonna you know where's the vampire gonna come for you next?" And he's like, "Tonight, my bedroom." Like, all right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in your dreams, it's, it's kid. Yeah, I actually another bit of IMDb trivia. I'm I'm full of them. I got a million of them. Uh, it did say <laughs> that that specific character beat of Amy kind of being a reincarnation of you know, his long lost love, that that was 
brought to the scripts by Chris Sarandon. I think he just needed more uh, to work really? with. Yeah. That he oh. that he suggested it and that they just threw it. So I think that's kind of why it feels unresolved in like the overall script. Because well, like the first time we see the painting, it's Charlie in Sherry's house, and he, mm-hmm. he 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 sees it and and he and he just goes Amy, and then and yeah. that, that's it. That's and it. so it's that's brought it. yeah. up like I guess it's in like the first twenty minutes of the movie, and then but yeah. then it's never really brought up, brought up again until they actually meet. Um, yeah, and so it does kind of seem like it was just sort of maybe slightly shoehorned in there a bit. But I mean, it's yeah. a good little bit. But it's just I, yeah. I wish it was expanded upon a bit more. But sure, I also love that the uh, painted portrait of Amy or of her you know, past self or whatever has, you know, the Amanda Burst like super eighties like poodle hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the rage back then too. Yeah. So basically they cycle she needed through to be turned through. to get a makeover. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> be a vampire to have the sexy hair. Yes. You know, that's what it's all it's about. Thing. Yeah, well, well, yeah, you can read the sort of the whole vampir- vampirism or whatever as this sort of, you know, uh, just coming out and being yourself. And uh, yeah. think, uh, that always comes through in this. And especially even, especially with Ed, you know, Ed, um, when he is being turned, that's the first time we see him sort of let down his guard. And he's not that kind of, I'm really, I'm evil Ed all the time. You know, <laughs> he actually uh, is this really vulnerable person. And that's what Jerry is able to play on when he's seducing him and to be yeah. like, okay, you know, you put on the show of being this like really crazy character but like you are really lonely and people make fun of you and i can you know help you be something that you want to be and he seems pretty happy actually when he gets turned and True. so you know yeah. whatever he seems <laughs> into it yeah yeah well i mean going off of uh the makeover journey as we saw in you know the initial seduction in the nightclub amy gets her first Kind of, it's just a blowout. It's just a quick, you know. She just went to dry bar, got like a quick blowout, you know, nothing fancy, no cut or anything. Um, then she gets some full out extensions. <laughs> yes, yes. It's yes. like Where a did those wild lion's mane. It's great. I, I think there are two wigs. I think there's like a middle. Yeah, that's kind of like a little bit more like a shag, like a little bit more like a Tina Turner kind of situation. Yeah, it's it's okay. like a stringy okay. kind of looking thing. Yeah, you know, and then like stringy. the the final incarnation, which is full yeah. Tawny Katane, yes. like on the hood of the car. And yeah. I love the the, car, um, yeah. the dress, the white dress that she's wearing is straight up um, Marilyn Monroe on Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> getting pictures, yes. but just a little elevated. Yeah, yes. and he Very just has classy. this dress in his closet. Yeah. <laughs> Question for special occasions. Questions. I also thought it was interesting that she's wearing this Maryland dress, and you can kind of see, you know, her her bosom from from beneath this dress. And I'm like, if my hours of watching Married with Children has taught me anything, it's that Amanda Burse is not the most voluptuous woman. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been some other extensions that went into that. Yes, she know. she might ah, she yes. might have had some help in that area. But hey, you know, it was a, she she needed to be as as sexualized as possible for for an eighties horror oh, yeah. movie. So we'll um, give it to her. Side note goes for it. It's great. I was gonna say side note on Meredith Children. Who's your favorite of her husbands or boyfriends? Jefferson. Who's the second guy? Oh, Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, he's Nobody my likes favorite. Steve. Mm-hmm. 
Steve was fun, but he <laughs> but he needed to go, and he did. And then yeah. we got fine ass Jefferson and uh, oh Ted McGinley. Ted McGinley's so handsome. Uh, oh my god! And actually, really funny too. That never yeah, happens. He was. I'm like, how is that even possible? Yeah, it's like he looks like a model, and he's also hysterically funny. I'm like, that yeah. is does not happen every day. <laughs> does not For happen sure. often. Does not. <laughs> we do uh we are the proud owners of uh married with children dvd box set but it's one of those box sets that you get from best buy that are just really shitty and they fall apart and they're just like yes. being held together oh. by paper that, um, and they they will literally disintegrate company? in your uh, hands when you're getting out a dvd yeah. mill creek right don't they mill put creek out, I think yeah they, they put out like did uh, they 30 rock recently Oh, I don't yeah. know how they got the. They've gotten so many rights to all these things now, and I'm like, how do they get these rights? Because when I was in high school, they had just come out, and they were putting out like those like public domain kind of movies in, in the in, in the same crappy packaging, like those little yeah. boxes yeah. that just like fall apart. And uh, so yeah, apparently they're they, they've kind of elevated a bit they they've gotten married with chill children i think they have a um i think a lot of the sony library now for some reason they've got it's we have we also have charlie's angels in it oh yeah they got Char- the original oh, charlie's yeah. angels yeah mm-hmm. but uh, you, no you know what we need is one of those like 90s like zipper booklets for your cds big, big flip catalog yeah mm-hmm. yeah I've got a few of those still. I still yeah, have. Yeah, they're handy. They're handy. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I refuse to um, part with them. Ever. Yeah, I know. I know. No, they're. Yeah, I will never get rid of my CDs. But um, yeah, I mean, I think again, Amanda Burst as Amy, like, I think she's really selling this character. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably one of those things that yeah, there's yeah. probably not a lot on page. Yeah. So just you as an actress yeah. really have to just elevate it, and I yeah. think that she brings it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's a lot I of time her. with her s- sort of spent in that transition p- phase where after she gets mm-hmm. bitten, it's like it actually takes a long time to actually see her come out as the vampire. And she yes. doesn't yeah. get a ton to work with. When, the, the brief time that she is on screen, like you said, like it, she just plays it up and is uh, just having a great time. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, the last act, I think, does kind of have some weird kind of pacing things where yes. I'm like, okay, where's this this going? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, yeah. Like, I like where it ultimately ends up, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. The pacing is is a little um, sketchy from time to time in the last act, but we do get this really kind of successful final showdown between Roddy McDowell and uh, Evil Ed. What is his name? Peter. Right. Yeah, and um, this whole situation where he's now like taking this wolf form. Which is also very Dracula, because Dracula can transform yeah, into a Dracula. wolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. People forget that. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. They don't really explain it. It's not like, oh, well, they're, like, there's also a werewolf. It's just like, no, vampires can mm-hmm. transform into multiple forms. Um, yep. so, so when Peter has this showdown with Ed, and he impales him on this like bit of the banister in Charlie's house. Yeah. Right. How are you going to explain that one to your mom? <laughs> See, they could have brought back the mom then. And sure, yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why have you just killed this kid in my house? But why no, is this this naked teenager on yeah. my floor bleeding out? <laughs> I just had the carpet steamed. Goddamn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, uh, what's happening? 
<laughs> but um, yeah, and we do like like we were mentioning earlier the whole American Werewolf in London like influence on this movie. This transformation is insane. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. We should probably give a shout out that they got the guy that had just done the makeup for Ghostbusters, uh, Richard uh, Eldrond. Eldrond. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, he had just done Ghost uh, Ghostbusters, and Tom Holland says that. Uh, for movie makeup, there was a lot of kinks that they had worked out from the production of Ghostbusters. So everything went smoothly in this movie. Like anything for movie makeup that would have gone wrong went wrong on Ghostbusters. And when he came to work on Fright Night, everything was already like going smoothly. So he said wow. the makeup transformations just went as they should because they had already worked out all the kinks on Ghostbusters. Okay. Cool. That's lucky. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I feel like the uh, this werewolf transformation is, like, it's gross. It's, like, super visceral. But it's also, like, really sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah. Because he <laughs> briefly sad. becomes, like, human again. For, yeah. At least it seems like it. You know, and he's just, like, uh, this is what I get for, like, putting myself out there once. Like, this is what happens to me. Like, yeah. I, yeah. like you know, it's like I went with this guy and he promised to give me, like, everything I wanted. And, like... This is what I get. Like, I get uh, killed. It's yeah. It's, it's very sad. It's very, yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. And also, evil, Stephen Jeffries, I feel like, at the time, because he's kind of like a small guy, like, I bought mm-hmm. the, that he's, like, young or, like, high school age or, like, a kid. Like, I kind of bought yeah. that yeah. this is, like, a yeah. young guy, yeah. like a kid. I buy him a lot more as a teenager than yeah. anyone else in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so that kind of also lends itself to, like, how kind of sad this moment is. And, like, he's reaching oh, out, and Roddy McDowell's just like, oh, shit, what did I just do? Yeah, it's like, I've never done this before. This is weird. Uh, when oh, you see so that sad. wolf prop, like, hit the chandelier and then yeah. fall to the ground, whew. And it's, like, yeah. crawling away. Yeah, really well done. Yeah. That's yeah. really – like, because I, I kept – thinking like when it does start to crawl is that like a real animal that they just attach this little prop to or is it all a prop or like what is this i I think they used probably a wolf pelt and they made sort of like a taxidermy prop that That would be my guess yeah Yeah, that would yeah yeah because the fur looks too real incredibly real yeah, it looks so real. But I yeah. think in this moment, this is where you kind of see that Peter Vincent is just like, holy shit. Like, I'm just a dude. Like, yeah. I'm an actor. I play yeah. a vampire hunter. Like, I I know all of these, like, rules. But that's all from, like, the movies and the characters I play. But now he's just like, I just fucking impaled a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you don't come back from ex- that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do they explain that the next day? I mean, that's yeah, yeah, horrifying. And so this scene is like, I feel like as it is gross and it is like graphic and all that, but there is this like dramatic beat to it. When we go back to the mansion and we have our showdown with like the manservant, I forget the character's name, but uh, um, Billy. Billy. Yes. The way Billy dies is so okay, disgusting. I love his death scene. It's like this weird green goop that comes out. It's, but there's yeah, also like, sand. Like, yeah, it's yeah. goop and sand and, and 
maybe semen. The... Let's be honest. Yeah. Maybe there's some scatters. <laughs> I don't know. He's been storing up for the winter. I don't know. Who knows? It's, it beats me. <laughs> it is so bizarre, and I love it though. It's yeah. No, I do. Like yeah. I've yeah. never seen anything quite like it, and that's mm-hmm. always a good a good thing, you know, when they can try to find some interesting way to kill a, a v- vampire that we haven't seen yet. And uh, I'm not sure what all the goop is supposed to symbolize, but <laughs> it looks yeah, it's, cool. It's not, that's all that counts. It's, it's not really clear what he is. Yeah, like like, yes. the Ren, like Renfield. Often it's like, is he is he some sort of golem? That's kind of what yeah. I get. Like something that has been like yeah. crafted, but I, I don't know. I, it's uh. hard to read. Yeah. yeah, because then you get into all this whole, like, half-vampire situation yeah. and, like, all the rules of, like, well, if you kill mm-hmm. the head vampire, then all the half-vampires go back to normal. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. then, yeah, that starts to get a little muddy. But, um, yeah, I feel like at this point he's probably, like, what do you – there's a word for it when they're just, like, a, a, a half-vampire or something where they've been bit yeah. but they haven't been fully turned – our I guess I can't pronounce that. Our word. guest from the There's Lost Boys, Billy would know. Right? Billy would know. Billy would know. We'll have to reach mm-hmm. out to him. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but yeah, this this death scene is is iconic. It's disgusting, <laughs> but it's very it's pretty gross. Yeah, but it's very eighties horror movie, and it's like again, I keep going back to Gremlins, but it's like the bar is kind of set with these movies, and after that, I feel like you just couldn't put out a horror movie if you weren't going to include like something for the kids to just like throw their popcorn in the air or, like and lose their goddamn yeah, mind yeah <laughs> grab their date's knee yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it I love those yeah. practical effects mm-hmm. I miss them I miss them a lot mm-hmm. they're just they've kind of f- sort of fallen by the wayside I mean I remember the remake the only scene I remember is when Charlie rescues a girl that's like trapped in Jerry's house mm-hmm. and they go outside and I guess she's been turned and they go outside and she just explodes in into this computer and animated <laughs> crap and I'm like oh, yeah God. yeah and, I don't remember any of it like, I miss those effects I miss the I effects. mean yeah there's not it had a lot of computer generated effects I remember that as well and like a lot of like first person things where like you'd be driving in a car and it was like you were in a video game and it because I saw it in yeah. theaters and I remember just thinking uh, like what the what the fuck is this like, I, I'm like I didn't I didn't come here to see this you know yeah. I, it's, uh, you're right there man I feel yeah. like the only thing that I liked about the remake was I liked that they just set it in Las Vegas that it's just yeah. a very yeah. sun soaked yeah. desert city yeah. to just juxtapose yeah. like a vampire moving there that's kind of like yeah, the yeah. best yeah. thing that the remake had going for it. And then mm-hmm. I think it's kind of interesting that they chose to have uh, a Chris Angel type as the Yeah. As the Peter Vincent as character. As the Peter Vincent yeah. character. In- very interesting. Yeah. 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 Cause I, yeah. I guess by that point horror hosts weren't really a thing. I mean I yeah. guess the only thing I could think of was maybe if they went to like a con and talked yeah. to some like movie actor who used to work on vampire films and tried to get them but that's really the only thing I could think of that would maybe possibly work um, right because that whole sort of type of show just doesn't really exist anymore you know yeah but it works better there was in the original with Roddy McDowell because Roddy McDowell is down on his luck and he's just sort of a broken man when they find him and he just sort of kind of gets the strength with helping Charlie to save the day. And yeah. you don't really get that in the remake. 
Yeah, I feel no. like his character in the remake was just maybe like a drunk, maybe a drunk, yeah, something. yeah, just a, like a drunk like sort a of B list star or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I was like, is that really like that big of an arc? Like, I mm-hmm. guess I'm gonna get sober and kill some vampires. Like, I, it's, I don't <laughs> yeah, show, but, I mean, the the sort of enduring legacy of vampires is always interesting. It's like every several years we try to take another stab at him, and and that remake was kind of coming on the heels of um, um, uh, Twilight. Right. And of course, yeah. like True Blood was just starting. Like there was that brief period from like 2008 to like 2010 ish where they were, they were doing a lot of vampire suck. You, know, you even had that vampire suck movie, which I, <laughs> I've heard was awful. I never saw it. No, I but really it's just it's interesting that like you know the, these these um you know the figures continue to endure, but we keep like reinventing them a little bit and seeing what we can do a little bit different with them. And um and this one is very 80s, like we've been talking about. You know yeah. everything about this from the fashion. And at one point, um Charlie has on a like life preserver vest thing, like um Marty McFly does yeah. from uh, oh, Back yeah. to the Future. And it's it's yeah, I love it. Oh, we <laughs> were noticing how. Charlie dressed just I don't know if it was like maybe it was like an Alex P. Keaton influence or Very something. Formal. Just <laughs> yeah. tweed, you know, sport coats and corduroys. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. a tucked in yeah. dress shirt. But very a like a yeah. yeah. Very respectable yeah. young man. Very, yeah. yeah. Not nice. teenagery <laughs> at all. No. no, no, not at all. I'm I'm majoring in Reaganomics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at it. I love the corduroys. Like, you know, I, I would wear that, you know, tweed sports coat. But, um, yeah, as a, I don't know, as a 17-year-old in the 80s, interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> this yeah th- there's there's a lot to be said about uh about the remake but specifically i think when it comes to practical effects it's just that like you're kind of at the mercy of what you can do just because with mm-hmm. with visual effects like with computer generated effects it's just like well it can be anything yeah it can be anything Pr- so pretty much whatever yeah. you want just like think about it yeah. and we'll do it but with practical effects it's like well it's got to be what we can make happen. So they had to be super yeah, creative. The they had to come yeah. in under budget. And yeah. I was also reading with yeah. Columbia that the studio executives at the time didn't pay a lot of attention to this movie because they were completely focused on the movie Perfect with Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis oh, and John Travolta. So that was just sort of, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is going to be our hit. We're oh, completely shit. like, we're going to be focusing on this movie. Go make your little vampire oh, movie. No. Wow. Yeah. So the director says that, that there was, wasn't yeah. a lot of studio involvement with it for that very reason. I would yeah. like to see a perfect Fright Night mashup. I think that would be <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Just yeah. Jamie Lee and John Travolta just. Oh, oh man. man. They need to be in the club scene. Yes. Just yes. in the background. Yes. Or gyrating. I could, I could also see Great. Jerry at the aerobics class just like shoving yes. his balls in our face. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have a night class per se? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Oh, oh my God. perfect. That would have been great. They could have done a. They could have done a sequel. Yeah. If perfect franchise had bombed horribly, which <laughs> it had we, every right to. It's not that good, but we uh, tried to watch Perfect. Yeah. Did we have? Did we finish it? No, we finished it. Yeah. I don't even oh no! Remember. You know, we didn't make it to the credits because I remember hearing that the credits just turns full something about Mary, and I was kind of disappointed that. I didn't make it that far. Oh, gosh. Because they have the musical sequence in the credits. Uh, 
I don't remember what Perfect is about. We'll get to and we perfect, watched it. We'll get to Perfect on like episode two forty five of the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once you've exhausted the entire deserves. queer library. Yeah. <laughs> I expected oh, more. Damn it, I did. Yeah. And this movie was a fairly decent hit because it wasn't a lot of money to produce, so yeah. it turned a no. pretty good profit. And it makes yeah. me think that this movie was successful, so it probably made Warner Brothers think like, oh, so we can invest in Lost Boys. Like, sure. there is an audience for this that we can make crazy, cool teen horror movies. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it is really mm-hmm. fascinating that, like, this came out the same year as Freddy's Revenge in 85, yeah. I think you guys mentioned yep. that earlier. And it's like, both of these movies are just so queer. And it's... Yeah. And uh, I think you, there's an argument to be made, too, that, like... Uh, I mean, I don't know the entire story with Stephen Jeffries, but I assume, like, maybe the reason he went back into porn was because he was maybe typecast. Be, I mean, he was having trouble getting cast again. I don't know. But I, I know that yeah. was a big thing with yeah, Mark I mean, Patton, but the, it's like, I don't know. The all, only thing I saw him in after this was 976 Evil, which I think was 88 <sighs> or 89. Yeah. And then after that, he kind of just fell by the wayside. And then a few years later, here comes porn. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, what happened? I think he did some stuff on Broadway before he did this film. So I'm wondering why he didn't go back to Broadway, maybe, or um, and, and maybe there were some problems with drugs or booze or something that we don't know about. And mm-hmm. but yeah, it is weird that he he's. I would say this performance is pretty iconic. I mean, everybody yeah. knows mm-hmm. e- Evilette if you're a horror fan. And yeah. oh, right. so it's 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 weird that he was never kind of given the chance again to do something as good as this because it's obvious he has talent. And yeah. so I, it's it's just it's so strange how certain people's car- careers just go in these weird places and you're like why? Like did they actually make yeah. that choice? Or did they have no other options? Or right. What was going on? It could also it's, just it's been be interesting. Yes, okay. I was gonna say it could also just be being a gay actor at the time that just sort yeah. of oh, when yeah, it sure. got out to casting directors that you were gay, the offer started to dry up and the audition yeah. started to go by the wayside. Yeah. So why not do some gay porn? Why I get not? that. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, it, it, and it, I mean, it's changed a bit. Nowadays, but I still think we have a long way to go. I, th- I still think there's a mm-hmm. lot of stigma, um, just because really, for, for some reason, all of the actors want to play these fucking superhero parts. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why. I guess they pay incredible incredibly well, but there's a stigma where I've heard they don't want gay actors playing these types of parts, and I don't un- understand that. And that's those are the roles everybody wants. I yeah. don't get it, but call so Ryan Murphy. He has a whole that. stable of g- out gay yes. actors. <laughs> yes, exactly. yes, we have yet to watch the boys yeah. in the band that just dropped on Netflix. I haven't either yet. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I would like to. I did get to watch it on Broadway, and it was oh wonderful. So cool. I'm, I'm hoping yeah, that it translates well. But you yeah. never know. I mean. I did yeah. watch uh, Ratchet. I just watched all of that. I We're halfway through last night. It's something. <laughs> I have I have mixed feelings. I'll finish it. I do too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's. I think it's worth it. It's just. It's. I'm like, are they intending this to be a dark comedy? Because it's fucking right. hilarious. I just. It's like yeah. Sharon Stone and her kid with no 
arms and legs. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. And she's got that the, damn monkey. The, the monkey on her shoulder. It is just this is pure camp. Yeah. And it's hysterical. I, oh, good lord. It's but damn it, I completed it. So. <laughs> Ryan Murphy does it every time. He gets I us know. in, and then you got to finish it. And then Ropes damn us it, in. God. Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to keep the gays captivated. Just keep bringing in Finn Whitrock yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, oh yeah. boy, yeah. I was I was actually going to ask if you guys had if uh, what your thoughts were on 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 that uh, on Ratchet, but uh, it is. It's fun. It's something. It's I'm really conscious fun. now whenever I say ratchet that I can't say ratchet. So now I just yeah. think about it too much. So I just end up saying exactly. ratchet. Like she, she's like so ratchet. D. Yeah. You, you, you really have to st- stress the D, which yes. is hard. Ratchet. I feel like ratchet. Sarah Paulson even says ratchet too. Characters in the show fully say does. it with the T. Yeah. I think she's confused. I mean, yeah. in all fairness, she probably got this script like the night before, so right. I, I really don't know. I think that's yeah. how they. Yeah. I think that's how those shows tend to work. Like that's what I've heard from everybody that's ever been on one of his shows. Is like, well, we got the script two days before we shot, and I'm like, oh my god, that's probably not good. Um, did he just like? Did he just like save Sarah Paulson from like a falling piano or something? Like push her out of the way or something? And like now she has to be in every project, like. <laughs> I think that was the deal. Yeah, the, the contract there's that you signed. Kind of it was, a, yeah. There's definitely a contract. Somewhere. A pact. Yeah. With, I, I don't know <laughs> what happened. I guess Jessica Lange finally completed her contract. Yeah, she's contract she's, she's like I'm out. <laughs> um, no more American Horror Story wow. for me. And they're shooting um, the new yeah. season, I believe, this month with Matt Culkin. I think that they were given the green light to shoot. Macaulay? Okay, yeah. is this the one where they Love said it. it's like him and Kathy Bates have like a sex scene or something? Oh I think gosh. so. Sign me because up. Now I think that they were just given it. the green light to I'm shoot. Gonna... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they built an entire season around that concept. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. Just Macaulay Culkin and Kathy Bates having sex and everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why not? Random. More Macaulay. I miss Macaulay. Bring him. Yeah, I'm, I yeah. See him. he's yeah, he's he great. Was charming. <laughs> Classic he man. seems like he's he's very yeah. self aware and funny, and so yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. You guys did a great. Saw, uh, uh, Sorry. Saved on TV last yeah, week. Yeah, I was going to say. Shout out to our Saved episode. Yeah, shout out to Saved episode. It's so good. It's such a great movie. And, oh, man. Bring it we'll, back. We'll, we'll watch Party Monster. I want to do a Party Monster oh, and Party Monster, Monster the Shockumentary episode. Yeah. We'll do them both oh, as one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just fun. telling you if, you, if you're not familiar with Party Monster, Macaulay Culkin walking around in, like, booty shorts... Not bad. <laughs> Seth Green doing a pretty decent James. Not bad. St. James too. <laughs> yes, oh, indeed. It's a great movie. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've gotten a little bit off track, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, trust us, we're very used to that. Very used to that. Yeah. Let me look through our notes to see if I have any like last minute. I know. I feel yeah, Fright but night. I feel like we've gotten through a lot, of, a lot of it. Of Fright Night. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Do you to do either of you two have any kind of like final thoughts or kind of like wrap up thoughts about like just the queerness of this movie and kind of where it stands and like horror and and I mean it's it's a big question but yeah. well you know Gosh, yeah. we've talked about you know even on our uh, podcast a little bit how the 
it's great to see Freddy's revenge sort of, you know, uh, almost tokenized at this point yeah. of being like, okay, this was this was the queer horror film from the '80s, and it's great. That it's getting the attention that it deserves, and it's great seeing Mark Patton out there and everything. I just hope it mm-hmm. leads to more and more introspection because I think people have overlooked even something like Fright Night for a long time, and yeah, even yeah. it's mm-hmm. just within the past like five years that people have been like, oh, actually, that was pretty damn queer too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that that will continue to grow and people will go back and look at some of these older movies. Um, when we covered The Hitcher a couple of months ago, we just realized like, holy, I don't know, Chris, I don't know how many, what your thoughts on that, was, but I was just like, how gay this movie is, <laughs> no, and I was, I was like, Chris, this is so like good, this is so good, this is so good, yeah. <laughs> Like, um, I could not believe it because I, I think I had only seen that movie once too, probably around the same time that I saw this movie. And so to rewatch that, I was like, oh my God, like when are they going to fuck? Seriously. <laughs> like it just, it's the entire film is just like, okay, we're going to build up until they finally just have sex. Um, and yeah. it was, it's just those movies. I, I, I don't, some of it, I wonder if it's just us maybe doing like wishful things thinking but then mm-hmm. i'm like no there's no way because it's so gay like how <laughs> yeah, can you not yeah. see it like and i i guess maybe some straight folks don't really see it and there's like oh it's just a cool vampire movie or just a cool film about a crazy guy on the road killing people but i don't i i think there's more to it and yeah i think there's a few other films out there that i think should maybe get some uh some new analysis maybe yeah. you know just to kind of sure. um because right now really it is only like freddy's revenge it seems that people are talking about which it yeah. makes sense because that movie is gayer than broke back no, no, i mean that movie <laughs> yeah. is so yeah. gay yeah yeah it's shocking and that um, one is, you know, was so startling because it was part of a major franchise, whereas Fright mm-hmm. Night is sort of its own thing. And maybe right. that's why it's taken a while, too, um, because there's just less eyeballs. And, although this was a big hit, but I think it is yeah. a little bit become more of a smaller cult following. Yeah, I mean, a bigger cult following, but, like, not as big as Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, it's um, definitely a thing. Yeah, it's been fascinating to see... And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of us are doing podcasts like this, you know, now to go yeah. back and I'm sure you guys as well, you know, go back in these movies and be like, you know, this is so fucking gay. How do people not see how gay this is? Like, like are you blind? I don't. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that a lot. We're like, there's a lot of people involved in making a movie. And like, nobody oh, was yeah, just yeah. like, um, I have something. <laughs> I think Amanda Beers knew. Amanda Burst, yeah, I she, she, she might have known. I think she knew. <laughs> she's very smart. She's very, very smart. I, I did get to meet her at a con, and she's just the oh, loveliest nice. person oh, in the world. She's yeah. just lovely, and Love I want her to get in front of the camera uh, uh, again. I think she directs now, but... Mm-hmm. Damn it! I mm-hmm. miss her because she's got the best comic timing. Like I would yeah. love to. I I would love to see her in like a something with like you know uh, Kristen Wiig and like yeah. just like some kind of like a fun yeah. movie you know where she, she yeah. can just be so funny and I would love that. Ugh. I'm just gonna put that out there in the universe. There you go. Will listen. And... <laughs> no, you're absolutely I think, right. Um, Jonathan... I just have one more thing from my notes that I have to mention. Yes. When I look back. When I watch it now, I'm just like, gay. So Jerry's getaway car is a Jeep Wrangler. Because of course it is. Like, they're these two fags, like, doing their getaway in a Jeep. Wow. It's... You mean the car Cher drove in Clueless? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That... 
that whole relationship, yeah, is so fascinating that it it's and like we said, like they pointed out in the very beginning, like this seems like a gay relationship. Like the mom yeah. who's yeah. very uh smart and it's just, she yeah. sees it and she's like, Okay, that's probably two gay guys that live next to us, but I'm not gonna ask because it's the eighties. Um <laughs> and in uh, the script. I mean It's in the on. script. It's in the script. And uh I, I saw a little bit of trivia too that Jonathan Stark, you know, who plays Billy Cole, went on to write co-write the puppy episode of ellen <gasps> i read that too oh, really? fascinating <laughs> he won an emmy wow. for that wow <laughs> it's so crazy <sighs> but yeah a straight man just gay yep yeah straight man straight yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> ally yep. ally there you go he puts the a in lgbtqia tuv double helix xyz oh my goodness well fright night Boy, did did, did we it. did we wrap? Did we get through all of this movie? I think, I think we, we might did. have. I've never seen much. *Fright Night* two. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Oh really? It's not bad. It's hard yeah. to find because I think it was only on tape. No, it did come out on DVD, but I think it's been out of print for like twenty something years now. I think it, sure. it, did, it came yeah. out like in like ninety nine or two two thousand um, from Artisan, which you know they just oh yeah. gotta love Artisan, Blair Witch Project. God, yeah. and uh, it's been out of print forever. I think there's something with the rights. Like nobody can find the rights, oh, okay. so it can't uh, come out on Blu-ray. But I'm like, but how'd you get the rights for the DVD? Right, it's like <laughs> just find who had them then. Like, like how do you lose the rights? Like, try to know where they're gonna go. I, I don't. It, yeah, totally and that would have some really it. queer shit in it too. Um, especially the uh, kind of trans um, African American character. I can't remember um, their name, but yeah, there's some good stuff in the. Uh, Villain is um, Jerry's sister, if I recall. It's been a while oh, since I've seen it. Right. Um, so right. some more kind of intrigue with that history there. Interesting. It's worth watching. It's, it's, it's pretty yeah. decent. I okay. Mean, it's, yeah. I, I, have, I think it might be on YouTube, or at least it was. Like, a, And I think it was on in yeah. widescreen, too, which the DVD was not. Oh, wow. Because yeah. yeah. artisan always love to just throw crap on there. Pan and scan. And, yeah. Oh, do you know who? Pan, pan you know who? Fright Night Two. So I'm looking at IMDb. Fright Night Two from 1988. It's directed by Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Wallace from mm-hmm. John Carpenter's Halloween crew because oh, he okay. did the It miniseries. Mm-hmm. And both William Ragsdale and Rowdy McDowell came back for it. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's it's really not bad. It's worth checking out. Sure. Okay. I I, I want to say there might have been a story about why Stephen Ch- Jeffries didn't come back. Mm-hmm. But I forgot yeah. what it was. I think there was something there. I don't think he had already started to do porn by that point. But <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it's like. Well, I'm shooting Big Cox Part Five, so I right. can, you know, come right but, because um, we didn't. We didn't mention the little tease at the end oh, of the yeah. film, yeah, right? Where it's like, oh, is he still alive? Still oh, alive. I don't know. Yeah, we got that mm-hmm. laugh. We got that Evil Ed laugh coming out of the house. I like to know end. that Evil Ed's still like red eyes, a little rascal, and like making trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. For sure. Go wow. into the clubs and Yeah. <laughs> okay, well we'll definitely look up Fright Night too. Maybe we'll we'll check Videotech to see if uh... I just saw that it's eighty three dollars on Amazon. Oh, so shit. we'll Good. check our local Price. video store. They might have it. Lord. <laughs> they they just might. It's I I remember it being pretty entertaining, so I think it's worth a watch. I'd All I'd right. like to yeah. watch it again because it's been a long time. Wow. Well yeah, you heard it. So here it was first, released folks. by Artisan and I wonder if Artisan just absorbed some B catalog and they just destroyed Distributed it in 2000. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out because they still owned like wax work and stuff, and they finally put wow. that on, on Blu ray. And then um, the uh, Prom Night 3 and 4, I think there's some weird rights problems with those two. 
so and they put those out too and i'm just trying to figure out like what happened here because then they were bought by lionsgate and then it's like some of their stuff they kept and some stuff they didn't. And I'm like, they went through weird financial issues. And it's like, Arzen, get your yeah. shit together. You made a gazillion dollars <laughs> from Blair Witch, one of the most know, like yeah, profitable really independent movie movies ever. of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's like you gotta have something. Still right? profitable. Yeah. What the hell? Oh, wow. It's, it's, it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, boys, every, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show and where people can find you on social media and all that good stuff. We're, we're the homos on Haunted Hill, and we, uh, we like to talk about movies that don't always get a fair shake. You know, we like to talk about some stuff that might be a little controversial. We just we just did one on uh, the Lords of Salem, and now we're doing one on another Rob Zombie movie next week, Halloween Two, which a lot of people seem to hate, but ah. we've got some hot takes on it. So we'll see what if uh, people still listen after hearing that one. And uh, yeah, we just like to talk about stuff that fills us with, with joy, I guess. Yeah, it, uh, sometimes through a very specific lens, sometimes just things that we like. Um, like I yeah. said, when we covered The Hitcher, we literally did a whole queer reading of that film, but like some films we just kind of talk about and like uh, just because. Um, and we're on social media at um, Homos and Haunted Hill on Instagram and on HOHH Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. So you can follow us. That'd be great. Awesome. Thank you guys so much Thanks, for coming guys. on the show. Thank you. This is so much it fun. It means a lot to us that you were our yeah. uh, kind of intro into the month. I love yes. that. Well, I love it. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> this is my favorite month, as it is for, I'm sure, both of you and yeah. anyone who's got some kind of taste, I think. <laughs> the best month of all time. It just is always good. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, like I said, thanks again for coming on the show. We're going to sign off with you two for now. But everybody out there, go check out Homos on Haunted Hill right after you finish listening to this episode. Bye, boys. Bye. And thank you for listening, everybody. Another great episode in the can. Yes. Did you love it, Scott? I love the month of October. <laughs> such a fun lineup of movies. I can't wait. Yes, indeed. Good start to it. Great start to October. Uh, Scott, do you have a couple of reviews that you'd like to read? Oh, yes, I do. We love <laughs> reviews. We do. We have two great reviews left on our iTunes location from Nacho Man 7777 titled like hanging out with your friends these guys are so much fun and comforting to listen to it's like they somehow got a hold of my favorite movies and decided to make a, a podcast of them one of my favorite lgbt themed podcasts i wish it was around when i was growing up oh that's so sweet <laughs> highly highly recommend love keep that. up the good work guys love i love that, that. thank you that so makes much. me feel good thank you so much love it and we have a second review. This one is from iTunes user. This is Suboptimal. Five stars, baby. And uh, the title of the review is Going Through the Episodes Like Potato Chips. Can't stop. 
Good movies and good vibes. I'm really in love with this podcast. They have a way with movies and movie knowledge. The podcast is spreading happiness and rainbows everywhere. Scott and Peter have excellent skills and great guests. Makes it super fun and easy to listen to. Makes me rewatch movies, listen to the episodes of my favorite movies, and plan if I will rewatch the movie first, then listen to the episode or vice versa. Wow. Love that. Thanks. This is Suboptimal. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love iTunes reviews. Why don't you write us a great iTunes review and we'll read it on the next episode. And it helps us kind of get ourselves out there on Apple Podcasts. Make us Makes you trend more when you have more reviews and ratings. So. Algorithms. It yeah, just helps. It's algorithms. We also would like to give some shout outs to our Patreon patrons. As part of our Patreon patronage, for even $1 a month, you'll get a shout out on each week's episode. And if you pillage a little bit more, like maybe one trip to Starbucks, maybe one extra value meal, you'll get some really great additional content on Patreon. But we'd like to shout out to our patrons right now, Joshua Clement, Aaron Bent, Melinda and Jim Shirley, Jessica Something, Nick Thomas, Christine Asher, Rufino Kabong, and Mitchell Ralston. Thank you so much. We love you, patrons. You all rock. You all rock so much. Stick around for another great ooky, spooky, kooky Halloween themed. Our next week's episode is going to be real good. It's one of my favorite guests that we've had on the show returning. Awesome. Well, you're just going to have to listen to find out who it is. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.